0: Hello everyone, welcome into a, another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined as always on the other side of the mic by my co-host Derek Terry of the Cats Paws. Derek, we're back at it again.
1: Yeah, almost the end of the week, episode four this week, I believe, so a uh, little bit to talk about and as it relates to UK, also some other bigger picture type stories that We can hit on. Um, Looking forward to it, though, Sean. Always good to get on here and chat a little bit about uh, UK because we're just nine days away from kickoff.
0: Moving quickly. And this episode, as always, is brought to you by the Butcher's Pub with two locations, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, one in Pineville, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook for daily specials and deals. Today is Thursday. Uh, The Bengals and Browns play tonight on NFL football and it's Thirsty Thursday at the Butcher's Pub. There's $10 mark pitchers at both locations. So get out to the Butcher's Pub, enjoy some uh, NFL football, Bengals-Browns, a rivalry right here week two of the NFL football season. Uh, so, Derek, we are moving now towards college football season, in Kent- like Kentucky college football season. I, you know, I keep saying moving towards college football season because I've been saying this for weeks that it doesn't feel right to me. But we are finally getting somewhere. Had Vince Merrill on yesterday. I thought we got a lot out of that interview And now we have some uh, preseason all-SEC coaches teams, and Kentucky is well-represented on those teams. I think seven players, three on the first team, Derek.
1: Yeah, when I saw that list, I thought, you know, this is not the same old, you know, type of Kentucky where, man, what do you think? Maybe Stoops' first year, you might have had, like, Avery Williamson. Might have been, like, the only guy on there. Now you've got, uh, like you said, seven. I'll go ahead and read them off here to you. Uh, Three of the Wildcats made first team. Uh, those guys I think you could probably guess for Max Duffy, uh, the Ray Guy award winner, and then Drake Jackson at center and offensive tackle Darian Kennard with a first-team honor. So only one on the second team. It was Lyndon Young, the senior, and then on the third team. Um, Sean, tell me if you were surprised to hear this one. Uh that Yusuf Corker? Vincent yeah, uh,
0: but he, he was solid last year, Derek. But uh, I think that that sort of – is some, some love to Kentucky secondary for how good they were last year, especially with their numbers. It's only fitting to have one on there. And also, when you look at a name there, Josh Paschal, just think about that. Two years ago, Derek, I mean, he played, what, four games that season, counting the bowl game? Was it the last yeah. – no, three games. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Middle Tennessee State, Louisville, and then the bowl game. And now you look up two years later, and he's on a preseason all-SEC team. So, you know, kudos to that young man for battling. But, Derek, the key guy on that list to me, is Boogie Watson. That's yeah. the guy that I'm circling that he's on that third team. But, Derek, we had Chris Doring on in the preseason, talked to him, and that was a guy that he mentioned. We had uh, Cole Kublick on. He mentioned that. That's a guy, Derek, if he does some things that a lot of people believe, he might find himself on that second team, first team, at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking, looking at all these names, like I could see all these guys finishing in the postseason as well. Um, I agree with you on Boogie. I think he's got – room to rise on there. Uh, whether he'll be a first-team guy, I don't know. He'll have to have a huge season to do that. But I could definitely see him at least back on that third team or, like you said, move up to second. I think he's the guy that uh, – I mean, I'm not going to say he hasn't been talked about because he has. He's a senior on this defense. He's been around a long time, played a lot of games for Kentucky. But if he's someone – you know, I feel like when we talk about NFL guys, and you might agree with this, it's always kind of about, like, Landon and Darien and, you know – maybe some guys in the secondary based on some of the sources I've talked to. Some people think Kelvin Joseph, the transfer from LSU, if he's good enough this year, he might make that leap. Uh, Brandon Eccles has been a guy that's been rated as like the number one player on the team by – or the highest graded guy by – believe it was Pro Football Focus. But Boogie's a guy that, I mean, if he's a big year, I could see him being kind of a mid-round draft pick, Third, third through fifth round, something like that, have a really good spot to make a roster.
0: And it goes back to to what we talked to Coach Merrill about yesterday. Is when you see guys from Kentucky have success in the NFL, it has to sort of change the mindset of these pro pro franchises to maybe start looking at more guys from Kentucky. Derek, if you if you get some successful guys from that program and you know they're being prepared, I mean K- Kentucky's no longer a doormat program in the SEC. There there's talent all across that roster that, and there's professionals, future professionals at probably every class on this roster.
1: I think you'll look back four or five years from now and you'll have several draft picks. I don't know how many it's going to end up being officially from that 2018 team, but that was a pretty senior leg group anyway. So you already had Allen Edwards, um, Allen Edwards for the basketball reference, but <laughs> I always used to write that and always thought of it. Uh, but Josh Allen, Mike Edwards, uh, you had Benny Snell, obviously. Logan Stenberg was on the 2018 team. He's already been drafted. But the point I'm trying to make is – come, you know, once all these guys' eligibility is gone, you might end up looking up and you could have 10-plus draft picks who played on this team. How, how big of a role they have this year, who knows, but I, all seven of those guys we just named like, are probably going to get a chance to either be drafted or get signed as an undrafted free agent. Like, I can't look at any of those guys and think he has no professional future. Like, I think they all do. And then in this underclassmen, like, you don't think J.J. Weaver with that kind of body is going to get a chance? Uh you know, on the defensive line, Quentin is not even listed on here. He's probably going to be a draft pick. So they've recruited a bunch. I remember, Sean, that was kind of the thing there for a few years. It was like Kentucky didn't have a draft pick at all. I think Stoops is like, what well, 2016 and 2017. I don't know if they had a draft pick, did they? So, I mean, this is a recent thing. But it always felt did. like if you listened to them, they would say, this will be the last year that we won't have anybody. After that, it's going to be – I'm speaking to the coaches when I say this. Like, all it pretty much took was getting their guys in there and then they could go from their, you know, not having anybody to every year, three or four guys you think could get picked.
0: Yeah, now I'll ask you this too. Staying on the NFL potential and who gets there, you know, from from each position group, I'll ask you, is, is there a position group that you think needs to start producing more pros? I mean, obviously wide receiver, have other than Lynn, they really haven't put one there, right? that it's stuck. I know Jeff Bidette did agree to a deal with uh, Washington yep. today.
1: I don't know if I see any on, on this year's roster. Um, unfortunately for someone like Josh Ali, he just hasn't had many opportunities on tape to show what he can do. Um, and I've just got to think, going back to Garrett Johnson, if he wasn't a guy capable and he was a guy who actually put up really good college stats, um, I felt like had at least measurables that could have given given him a shot. If he couldn't crack a rotation, I find it hard to think that Ali at this point could be a guy, but they've recruited some good wide receivers. Um, You look at this class they just brought in, I like it a lot. Khalil Branham, uh, Ernest Sanders, Drennan, well, Tay-Tay was in last year's class, but um, Isaiah Cummings, I guess the other one out of Louisville. All those guys are, are good prospects. We'll see what they develop into. Uh, But it's not just wide receiver. I mean, they have a bunch of positions that could stand to have some guys taken. I mean, it would be good if Boogie could get picked because that's two outside linebackers. Um, We'll see about, you know, I think Weaver and Wright down the road. Both have opportunities. That's the same position that Josh Allen played his senior year. So, you know, really up until last year with Stenberg, I think the only other offensive lineman that even had picked this century or – almost this injury was uh, Larry Warford. Or, yeah, so, you know, it, they, they could stand to send some more guys to the league, that's for sure. It's nice that they have guys like Allen and Snell who both play um, positions that can put up a lot of stats. So those guys will be good, good players for them in that regard. And so is Bud Dupree. It's kind of hard to to remember that he was with Stoops there for a few years since he wasn't a Stoops recruit, but still guys UK can use to to sell on the recruiting trail.
0: The number of players on the first team for Kentucky, so Kentucky has three. As it compares to the rest of the SEC, Alabama has 10 on their team, but Kentucky has three, Auburn two, Florida two, Georgia two, LSU two, Tennessee two, Mississippi State one, Missouri one, and Texas A&M one. So Kentucky has the second most first team selections, Derek, uh, out of all the from the coaches team, behind Alabama, of course, at ten, which is a big gap. But still, that's pretty cool that they have the second most.
1: Yeah, I mean, overall, top to bottom, seven guys. That's that's up there in the league, and it tells you that the preseason expectations just aren't focused in Lexington. I mean, this is, these are – you know, Mark Stoops wasn't allowed to vote for his own guys, so this is the rest of the league coaches giving a lot of props to U.K. players. And in my opinion, in a lot of ways, it justifies a lot of the hype that's been around with this team. Because if the coaches see it, you know, and the other teams in the league, I think mean, that says a lot about the talent that U.K. is bringing back this year.
0: It certainly does. And, uh, you know, speaking of talent, you actually put together predictions for the first week of the the, the offensive depth chart for Game 1 versus Auburn. I know you're going to be working on the defensive depth chart tomorrow. Uh, Just what were some of the guys that you had, you know, you don't have to go through all of them, but maybe some of the key positions, where do you see it sort of falling? Maybe where there are some battles there.
1: Yeah. My biggest takeaway I think from doing that was just kind of how easy it was because some years you're trying to figure out who might get in there. I mean, the one guy I felt like based on what we heard preseason, who maybe deserved to be listed as a starter was uh, DeMarcus Harris. The way I did it, UK lists four so they list more than twelve or sorry, they list more than eleven guys on an offensive depth chart. They'll put four wide receivers, tight end running backs, all that stuff. So I still went with that same kind of format where I listed the four receivers and on that list I had Josh Ali, Alan Daly, Bryce Oliver, and um who's the one I'm forgetting? Oh, Clevan Thomas. Sorry, Clevan. Uh, the slot guy, Clevan. So I would assume the position I think last year Harris was listed as an X earlier in the year, which is the same position that Ahmad Wagner played, but they, they switched those things around. Those are guys all practice at all the positions, so I don't think that's really something they get caught up on. But he was a guy I felt like maybe should have. But besides that, the only other spot was left guard with Austin Dodson and Kenneth Worsey. And with Horsey missing some time this fall, I think you can expect Dodson to have earned those reps and will probably start at Auburn. But I can see that being a position dependent on performance. You could see both those guys playing a lot of snaps this year.
0: And you will get to the defensive depth chart predictions tomorrow. Derek, there, there's one guy on that defensive side that is a monster compared to what he was his freshman year. Not yeah. only has he changed numbers every single year, he's changed his frame. And you can look at his picture. I, and it, I went back because I'd done the same thing last year. I did it side-by-side. From a freshman photo to a sophomore photo, and he gained was it 17 pounds? Because I think that's why he went with jersey 17 last year. Well, let's put it this way: he went with jersey five this year, but it's a it's far more than just the five pounds of muscle. Derek, DeAndre Square doesn't even look like the same dude. Like his tattoo that he has on his right bicep, like it is it even looks bigger because it had to expand. Like that's how big his arms are now.
1: He's another good example of UK's weight program. I mean, he will be a guy I would about guarantee it come next. Which, I mean, technically, with this extra year of eligibility, maybe it will happen anyway. But he he will be a guy that you'll hear whenever his senior day is, Stoops will say that he wishes they could have redshirted him. because They had to play him that year because the inside linebacker depth was so thin. Um, it's actually kind of funny. It's not to pick on DeAndre at all, but do you remember his sack in the bowl game against Penn State? He was basically blocked into the quarterback for a sack. I mean, he got crushed by the offensive lineman. And it just so happened that the lineman hit him right into Trace McSorley. So he got a sack on that play. I don't think he's going to be getting hit around like that much anymore uh, with the weight that he's put on. And he tweeted, I think on your tweet, he said he couldn't believe he was ever that skinny. He was a very – I do remember that when he got to UK because he was an early enrollee and really I feel like probably earned some trust with the coaching staff because they were so thin in 2018, that spring. I think Jordan Jones was out and a couple other guys were out. They really had no choice but to play him in spring practice with the first team reps. He earned the trust from the coaching staff. Um, You know, it's really unfortunate because he and Oates were a very promising inside linebacker duo this year. I hate that Chris isn't going to get a chance to play, Um, but it opens up a spot for Jamin Davis and, Square is one of those guys, like you talk about the number change, when I see the photos still from practice, I'm like, who, who is that? Because I thought number five left, you know, Xavier Peters last year. I don't think he was here anymore. And then you see him, and he, he looks now, like he's getting to the point where he looks like an inside linebacker in the SEC, whereas the last few years he's probably playing underweight. And I can't wait to see kind of how that translates for him uh, out there on the field.
0: Yeah, and when you when you looked at him as freshman year, he actually looked like he was ready to line up at wide receiver. That was kind yeah. of the body frame that he had. It was it was two hundred
1: pounds. That was probably generous.
0: Yeah. And he he's every bit of a house now when you look at that guy. And you and you saw former teammates. Logan Stenberg actually quote tweeted my tweet and was he said something like, You still won't mess with me or something like that and <laughs> and even Cash Daniel was talking about, you know, how much that how much bigger DeAndre is. But man, just uh a testament to UK's you know, weight weight training and nutrition. You look at a guy like Yusuf Corker, too. He put his photos up the other day, and that dude looks like he could slide down and play linebacker with his body frame. I mean, there's there's some really impressive-looking specimens on both sides of the ball for Kentucky. Uh, Derek, too, want to get into some, some more COVID news. I hate having to keep saying more COVID news, but Missouri's a team that's just battered uh, with COVID and contact tracing, too, going into a matchup that I just – I honestly thought they didn't have a chance even if they went into it full steam ahead uh, because they're playing Alabama week one, and you don't want to be even a man down. But they're, I, mean, I know at one point I saw 12, but I think that number keeps climbing.
1: I thought I saw 19 as a number the other day. Uh, that might be off, but either way, it's a lot. And a lot of it's contact tracing. And that's probably a good point to make for this, Sean, is we heard from Coach Merrill yesterday, UK is going to three times a week. So, we're within that 14-day window. If someone tests positive, they're not playing uh, against Auburn. And that's for every team, every SCC team at this point. You know, if you're in that range now, you're not to miss, it, miss that game. And the contact tracing, uh, maybe you know more about that than I do. I think it's the same deal, though. I mean, if you're in that range, you're not going to play. And I saw a tweet, maybe from Pete Thamel, but the SEC, it's not adopted yet, but they're going to go or, along the lines of, I believe, 53 scholarship players must be available. One quarterback, I think seven offensive linemen, four defensive linemen, something like that. Once that gets officially adopted, we'll talk about it on the show, but that's that's where it's headed right now. Is And you think 53, that's not a whole lot, really. I mean, you have 85 guys on scholarship, so or you can have up to 85 guys on scholarship. So if you have many more than that out, yeah, you probably don't need to be playing a football game anyway.
0: No, and that's something we're going to have to watch too. And with contact tracing, it's 14 days. I'm pretty sure that it's 14 days. I, I think with contact tracing, I think that's the SEC's protocol with that. So if anything happens, if anything happens next week, not only is that player missing Auburn, they're likely missing Ole Miss so then it becomes a two week deal which is going to be something you're just going to, have to look at you see teams canceling right now you know charlotte had to cancel a game which is with uh, north carolina i think so there's a, a power 5 team that won't have a game this week and that's just going to be a, that's just going to be something you watch and i don't know over the course of the season where you make these games up if it especially if it's an sec sec game i don't know right now it's i think it's just get to week 1 see what it looks like after week one and if you get to week two, I think we can start getting a little bit more confidence that they might have an out like a system that's sort of working here. But Merrill did say that yesterday, and that wasn't even a question that we had written down to ask him. It sort of just came to mind that we really hadn't addressed it of exactly how they're doing things. But if any coach and not and we should actually make this known too, not every school has facilities like UK. Not all of them do. I mean there's there's not space for Like some of these smaller schools, I think that might be why you're seeing some things like this, Derek, because they just don't have the facilities and the space to sort of do things the way UK and some of these other SD schools can do, like putting them in the stadium and meeting, putting them in the team meeting room and meeting. To me, any necessary protocols or steps that you can take, even if they seem like just stretched out, right now, I don't think you can do too much.
1: You can't. And that's really where I feel bad for the players is with the contact tracing. If you just happen to be part of that, even if you're not sick and you've worked, one, you've been kind of been through the emotional ringer too, because for a long time you didn't know if you were going to have a season. You do get to a season. You still put in all that off-season work. You've practiced. If you're in the SEC, you've practiced, I think, even longer than you normally would have waiting for a game. And then you might find out here in the next, I don't know, a few days, the next time the testing goes around, that you might not be able to play because of contact tracing. I think that's going to be – a very, very frustrating thing for the players who are involved in that, and those are the guys that I'm really going to feel bad for if they don't get – I mean, one, we're already talking about a 10-game season anyway, so you're already getting to play two fewer games than you would in a normal year, and if you have to miss any time, especially for something when it's not – when you maybe thought like there's nothing you can do about it, that's going to be really a downer, and I feel bad for those kids who that's going to happen to. I'm sure it's already happened to kids probably in these games that have been played the yeah. last few weeks.
0: Yeah, it it has. And I think that that's probably, when you look at this, we're not going to know which players have COVID. They're not going to release that info, but we will know that most likely it will be specified. Like if there's not an injury attached to it, I think we can all assume it's either COVID or contact tracing. But the biggest bulk, Derek, of people missing games this fall is probably going to be due to contact tracing. Just, I think that's a safe bet uh, to sort of look at.
1: One last thing I want to say, I believe it was our friend Ross Dellinger who tweeted about it. Whatever the new Big Ten advancements, whatever they got to make themselves feel better about their test, I believe the thought was, and I don't know the details of this, but the thought was whatever test they had, they might be able to catch, if it is an active case, they might be able to catch it before it's contagious or whatever, and it would more or less eliminate the the contact tracing period, which would be... Uh, sounds like that's what's getting everybody. It's not really the amount of cases. It's just that people are having to sit out. I mean, that's the big deal at Tennessee, big deal at Auburn. So if you could find a test that could eliminate that, I don't think you'd have to really worry about games being canceled at that point at all.
0: You wouldn't. If you can get that far ahead of it and then you can sort of manage it, you know, and not have those guys. Like right now, I mean, it just comes down to, like you said, multiple times, you can do everything right and still get this virus. And you could be in a situation where you're just having to be contact trace and still not contract the virus. So there might be 10 guys sitting out a game and they might never even get COVID. That's the, that's the thing that I think that's frustrating about it. And we're with each passing week, Derek, I think we're going to learn more about this and really we don't really know how it's going to go until they do play a week. So we just have to wait and see overall how the SEC looks a week from now, but that's pretty much covered it with all the football news right now. We will have uh Today's defensive day, so we'll have Brad White Thursday night and the uh, select players. I think Matt Ruffalo is actually going to be available too. Do you have the other player's name? I don't remember who we have, uh, but I know, it's two, I know it's Ruffalo and Brad, uh, but there'll be one more in there too. But we will recap all of that on Friday's episode, but we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and then we're going to come back and cover some uh, college basketball, and we might even dip into a little bit of bubble talk, Derek, but you're listening to Kentucky Daily. Call Bryant Law, 261-7381. This is the attorney, Jeremy Bryant. Have you been injured at work in the last 24 months? Contact Bryant Law. We want you to understand that every dime an insurance company keeps from you is another one they keep in their pocket. You're entitled to just compensation. So don't let the insurance company tell you what's proper. After all, you're the one who has been injured on the job. I'll evaluate your case and tell you the truth. Call Bryant Law in Corbin and get what you deserve. Visit online at jeremybryantlaw.com. Welcome back to Kentucky Daily. Derek, the NBA bubble really had some exciting games Tuesday night. We didn't get to talk about it on Wednesday's episode because we were with Vince for so long and just kept it to football. But even you tuned in for the ending of that Miami Heat Boston Celtics game. And to get you away from the Cincinnati Reds at any point is a big deal, Derek.
1: Well, it was great timing because the Reds game had just finished and I turned it over. Uh, That game went into overtime, right? That's probably how I got to see the end of it because it went into overtime. Um, I don't want to get into the – I know people do it right away. They got into the historical magnitude of Bam Adebayo's block. Without saying it's the best block I've ever seen or anything like that, I mean a tremendous defensive play. That was going to be an insane play, whatever happened. If if Tatum would have finished that dunk, it would have been all over Twitter. Uh, all over Instagram, all over everything, and for Bam to have the strength to keep that ball out. I mean, I thought it was probably the play. It might have been the play of the NBA season, really. And I know I said I wasn't going to get into talking about that. And I just say that because I don't have – I don't watch NBA every night. I don't have – I've not watched every playoff game to know. But that was a game-saving play that he came through with. And we heard it a little bit from Vince yesterday. He said he felt like that UK logo is everywhere right now with the guys making plays in the NFL. And then, of course, the bubble is just being dominated by UK guys.
0: It is. And two, there there were some people screaming that it was a goaltend because where his hand was over the basket. Well, the NBA, the rule is, is that the ball is still in the offensive player's hand. Then it's not, even if Those the contact. The exactly. Even if the contact gets above the basket and let's talk about this. He blocked that with his, left hand. That's not his strong hand. And it and he had the, the strength in his hands and in his wrist to not let that ball even get out of Tatum's hand. I think he sent ball and Tatum back and then he can crowd the rebound. Uh one of the best plays I've ever seen, Tyler Hero hitting huge shots in that game, Derek, I, I've told you the story. I watched him his senior year in high school was in Milwaukee. I think he had nine points one game. It couldn't have looked worse. I've I've never seen him play that poorly at any other game that I've ever watched him, I left there thinking that that kid was a three- or four-year guy. And boom, now you're looking, and less than two years later, here he is making plays and hitting huge shots. With with other guys on that roster like Jimmy Butler, I mean, he was taking shots in the fourth quarter in overtime down five. I mean, like contested shots. Just uh, the confidence that, that that young man has, he's a bucket. He pretty much is a bucket.
1: I saw a tweet I thought was a good point. I believe it might have been from one of ESPN's reporters. Um, and it's actually hard for me to believe this now. At the time, maybe it wasn't. But Bam Adebayo went 14th in his draft. I mean, if you were to do a redraft of that 2017 NBA draft, you would obviously go way higher. And then here, a last year 13th pick. That is some great scouting and, one, great development as well by the Miami Heat. There are some organizations like – no offense to Michael Jordan. Like, I kind of felt bad for P.J. Washington when he got drafted by the Charlotte Hornets. I felt better. Well, P.J.'s a good player. P.J.'s going to make it work. Like, I felt better. Like, Keldon slid to 29th, right? I believe where he was. And I was like, all right. He went to the Spurs, though. Like, yeah, he would have wanted to go higher. That's fine. But you're going to an organization that if you show them something, they will be patient with you. They will develop you. And you're more than likely, if you stay there for a lengthy part of your career, you're going to be on good teams. Um Great situations for BAM, and and they're contributing. They're doing great things. The Heat are my favorite team to watch in the bubble. I don't really have an NBA team that I watch night in and night out. Uh, if you are listening to this and you're a Lakers fan, I'll tell you my, my feed suggests to me that the Lakers think they've already won this thing with the Clippers being knocked out. And I'm just telling you, Jamal Murray, the way he's playing, and uh, Jokic – I mean that's a dangerous team right now. I mean you got like Michael Porter Junior who's a former and I know it doesn't mean anything once you get to the league, but Michael Porter Junior is a former top recruit who comes off the bench for them. Also complains about his uh lack of touches sometimes too, but they've not lost the game since he said that. It's true. Yeah. Well
0: and not to get into the personal side of things here, you know, I'm I'm pulling for Tyler and Bam and Jamal, but I'm a Lakers fan. So, you know, I'm all, I'm all in on the, the LA train. right <laughs> <I'll now. be laughs> So you going to, you going to end the, the podcast. You're right? One
1: of those guys on uh probably on my feed laughing at the Clippers for losing. <laughs>
0: you're no, I'm a, I'm a huge Lakers fan though. I've, uh, I rocked a Kobe Jersey and I think in third grade worked at school. So I've always been a Lakers guy. Really? It was a Kobe guy, but then I'm following the Lakers for all those years. But you mentioned recruiting, and you mentioned Michael Porter Jr., all these guys that are top recruits. Derek, right now with college basketball, there are some challenges in the recruiting game. So is it – I think January 1st is the date now that has been yeah. pushed to. Uh, Derek, when you're looking at a Kentucky basketball recruiting class that has Nolan Hickman, uh, you've seen them throw those offers out in recent weeks. Uh, Sky Clark's name possibly reclassifying. Hunter Salas, it sounds like uh, – there might be getting Hopkins a, a decision from him pretty soon. I know uh, Jack Pilgrim talked to his dad recently about that and said a decision should be coming in, what I think, here in a few weeks. But when you look at that, and this isn't just a Kentucky problem right now. This is an everybody problem when it comes to recruiting. There's a significant disadvantage right now with that being delayed till January. So you've essentially missed what? That's 10 months of no in-person recruiting or nothing on campus.
1: Yeah. Yeah, these kids for – and that's what we tried to ask Vince on the football side yesterday is – I mean, it's not even so much – whenever I think of this, I think of, okay, school kids can't visit schools, so no official visits. But, it's I mean, it's even deeper than that. You know, there are no – for football, for example, there are no in-home visits with a head coach coming in trying to sway you at the last minute. I mean,
0: I think that's going to lead to a
1: lot fewer flips, honestly. I mean, you might still have some people change their mind, but – when you've been locked in with the school for a while and you can't really do anything else besides text a coach or FaceTime them, I just tend to take like one hell of a recruiter to try to flip you at that point. And with basketball, I think it's a little bit easier for UK just because the brand, I mean, of course you want kids and their parents to come to campus, feel comfortable. You want to get to see them in person, maybe verify some of those measurements you've heard on them. I understand that part of it, but I still think Kentucky basketball will be, will be fine. Um, Maybe Sean, you think maybe kids it's not as rare in basketball as it is now in football. I mean, you just think a lot of kids are gonna wait till the spring and be like, Okay, we know for sure if we sign in November we can't go anywhere to visit. But if we wait until spring, maybe maybe they'll have a chance. But I mean this thing's been extended. Wasn't the original deadline like April thirtieth? It was. It and it just going keeps, on and on. So It
0: keeps going. I think it you could see a case where people wait longer and then I think it could and I, I expect it more in football, for people to stay with stay with it and sign in December, just because I think people want to get their spots. I don't know about you. Yeah. What do you, What do you think on that? Like, because I could just seem like it. Maybe when it comes down to position groups and stuff, there, I, I think safest bet is if you know where you want to go, just go ahead and do it.
1: I think for football, this class still isn't going to be affected that much. I think in twenty two is when coaches are going to be pulling their hair out because. I'm guessing most of those kids aren't going to commit until like you would usually go into a football season in the fall come September when you're able to play games. You might only be recruiting three or four more spots to fill your class and the rest of them have been committed. I don't think you're going to see that in 22. I mean, at the earliest, I feel like maybe this ban or whatever you want to call it dead period is going to be lifted and maybe after basketball's over, maybe April, and you hope you can have a summer. So, maybe you'll see a, a rush of commitments then, but I think you're gonna get a lot of kids who haven't they they won't be able to take unofficial visits their junior year like most kids have gotten to in the past. They you know haven't gotten to if they get to take their official visits, I'm telling you they're gonna do it. so you're gonna have a bunch of kids who next, the 22, uh, which will technically be in December of 2021, you will see, I think, a ton of signing day commitments. And it will be wild from our perspective covering it, but I think it's going to drive the coaches crazy. And then hopefully at some point, you know, if this ban is lifted in next April, 23 should be fine then. And I think you might say it go back to a more normal routine. But these next, I don't know, I would say – 14 months or so in recruiting for that 22 class, I think will be pretty crazy.
0: And on the basketball side of things, I think your your best friend would be to not get hit with a lot of early, you know, exits to the NBA. Like if you could get 50% of your roster back, it's probably a big deal. And I, I think Kentucky, you never want to assume, but I think Kentucky has a basketball roster, Derek. As long as everything. I mean, you know Terrence Clark, B.J. Boston, those guys are probably out the door. But there's there's a solid group of guys there that probably will return for their sophomore year. And I, I think, too, they feel they probably feel pretty good about a couple of guys in that 21 class that maybe we don't know how good their, their situation is with Kentucky. But I'm sure that Cal and those guys have a plan. Uh, but, Derek, tonight, Thursday night football, Bengals-Browns, uh, game two of the Eastern Conference Finals, it's a perfect night to get out to the Butcher's Pub, check out those games. You know, have some wings, have a burger, kick back some drinks. Just have a good time Thursday evening and then uh, more college football this weekend. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to do a mailbag episode. So if you're listening to this, you can feel free to DM us questions. Uh, I'm going to put out a tweet here shortly, Thursday night. We'll get some mailbag questions there. Next week we will have an Auburn preview. Derek, you've uh, already reached out to somebody about coming on to uh, give us a scouting report on Auburn. So I think that will be at the first of the week. And yeah. then uh, we got some other episodes planned as well. There's a couple uh, couple of names from the SEC network that I'm looking to schedule with to get some episodes next week. So we hope you're enjoying the mixture that you're getting with guests, uh, just us sort of bantering back and forth. And then we, we always try to have at least two guests a week. Some weeks we might even have more. Uh, but just uh, stay stay with us. Keep subscribing or keep downloading. Keep leaving reviews. If you're new to the show, go back and listen to some of those past episodes. Some of that stuff's not outdated yet, especially the interviews. Go back and listen to Terry Wilson interview, Vince Merrill from yesterday. If there's a name that you would like for us to have on, tell us, and we'll do our best to get a name out there. And then as we get into the season, uh, we'll look at having some of the players on. Derek, we'll probably do some stuff maybe once every couple of weeks, maybe try to get a player from the roster on.
1: Yeah, and speaking of those interviews, something we didn't mention in this episode but is relevant now, you tweeted about it last night. Christian Lewis, who joined us, I believe, last week, uh, was bumped to four stars on 247supports.com, a guy that I thought was well-deserving. Go back, we we asked him uh what it would have meant to him to get that fourth star because he was someone that was in the running for that, and he, he's got it on 24-7. So go back, listen to his interview. Mero's interview from yesterday I thought was very good. Go, go listen to Corey Evans' interview. We're losing Corey. He's going to work for the Thunder. So always a great source of knowledge, and the stuff that he told us back then has, has been discussed. But those are good interviews. Go check them out.
0: Yeah, and Corey, Corey deserves a ton of credit. Corey was our first real big boost on yeah. Kentucky Daily. Gave us two really solid boosts, and I, I know we picked up a lot of listeners from those episodes, and hopefully you're still with us. And as always, if, if you have some input or some advice, if you want to, Maybe have us add a new segment to the show. You have ideas? Tell us. We're not just going to completely shut it down. We're, we'll are we talk about it and listen to it. And uh, Game week coming up next week, Derek. I'm actually excited, excited mm-hmm. that we're going to have our first game week on the show because then we'll have a lot to talk about, especially after Kentucky-Auburn and the kickoff in the Plains. As it stands, I I think I'm going to be there. We don't know for sure exactly yet, but uh could be – could be a little, could be a little weird. I'm gonna, I'm, if I, that's why I'm wanting to go because I want to be able to give the details of what it was like.
1: Yeah, I, I do too. I'm still deciding, uh, what I'm gonna do. I would feel better if that was an open air press box. It's not. Um, but UK is the same way. So I just need to go ahead and get used to it, I guess. But just happy to have football coming back.
0: Yep. Happy for it to be back. And like I said, mailbag episode tomorrow. We'll get to at least if you if you send in five or six questions, we'll do our best to get to all of them. We'll have a segment there. And then whatever topics happen Thursday night, Friday morning, we will discuss. And if anything breaking happens, we will make sure that we get it to you in a timely frame, too. Just keep listening to Kentucky Daily. Subscribe. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you listen. If you're interested in advertising, feel free to DM us. You have our information. You can find that in the description of this podcast. This has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. We'll catch you next time.